the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you. Minutes past 10 o'clock. Let me repeat. Nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. That is clear from the history. That is clear from the language of the Constitution. You cannot turn conduct that is not impeachable into impeachable conduct simply by using words like quid pro quo and personal benefit. That's one constitutional law professor, and we go from him, that's Alan Dershowitz, to an even better one, Mr. Peter Kersenow, joining us now, attorney Peter Kersenow, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, of course, is an attorney. He is a uh, sometimes con law prof- or uh, a law professor, rather. He is also, of course, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Peter, good morning, friend, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. 15 days till pitchers and catchers, that's all, and 58 to the first game of uh, the Major League Baseball season, so I'm psyched. And uh, thank you for putting me in the esteemed category of a Dershowitz. Dershowitz is far beyond my, my capabilities. I, I had the pleasure, uh, as you know, of having a couple of uh, TV shows in which we both uh, uh, opined upon all matters related to con law and impeachment, etc. And, of course, I think he's the gold standard. And he's absolutely right. There is nothing here. This is extraordinary. The, the media expects most Americans to act like a cat does when you have a laser pointer. And whenever the media takes the laser pointer and says something like, um, you know, oh, my goodness, we have um, 
signs of corruption on the part of Trump. We've got Bolton saying this. We've got they do things at the last minute every single time. We've seen this movie so many times before, Bob. We saw it with the Kavanaugh hearing, for example, when the Kavanaugh hearing is over with, and all of a sudden they find some witness to come out of the woodwork to say, "Oh my goodness, I saw Kavanaugh with space aliens." They did it with Clarence Thomas. They do it repeatedly, and they do it on the basis of an anonymous source who says things supposedly. They haven't read the the. Bolton book, the transcript at all. They don't have any direct knowledge of it, but an anonymous source says, hey, I understand this is what the Bolton book says, and blah, 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 and even what the Bolton book says is not an impeachable offense. It's within the complete authority of the President of the United States. If the media runs with it, and what distresses me more, and probably you and your audience more, Bob, is that the Republicans... So many of them blink in the face of this travesty and say, well, geez, maybe we should have witnesses now. What? Are you kidding me? What the heck is going on here? Have our brains turned to complete mush over the last few years? Pete, you beat me to the second question. Uh, Let's go deeper on that, because that's what Mitt Romney and Susan Collins, among others, have said, that they are are closer than ever before to voting to pursue witnesses. It's only going to take four defections, four Republican senator defections, to get to 51 votes to call witnesses. Now... I'm not 100% opposed to calling witnesses. Uh, the president is still going to be able to use executive uh, power. He is still going to have executive privilege, and, and uh, this, could th- this thing could end up in the courts before John Bolton or somebody like that can testify. Uh, and I wouldn't mind hearing from Hunter Biden. I wouldn't mind hearing from a subpoenaed whistleblower to be on, this, on the uh, stand and speaking under oath as well. So I'm not terribly opposed to it, but I want this thing over quickly. And how concerned are you about, uh, well, we're looking at what? We're looking at Collins, maybe Murkowski, certainly Romney. That's three. They get one more, and they got 51 to go with the 47 Democrats. Uh, I'm concerned because we've seen, as I've said again, we've seen this movie before. Romney, um, you know, I'm sure that I express the sentiment of many of your listeners that I supported Romney back in uh, 2012, and I remember being grossly disappointed by a number of things. Number one was his performance in the one debate where Candy Crowley pretty much gave it to Barack Obama, and also his refusal to really fight for the nominate, fight for the, uh, the the presidency. He put on kid gloves in a manner that John McCain did. Um, Murkowski and Collins, again, I'll say it again for the third time, we've seen this movie before with them. And I don't think that uh, we should be surprised about this. They were looking for, I believe, any reason that they could justify the calling of witnesses. And this provides them with a hook. Now, I think it's the job of, by the way, I agree with you entirely, Bob. You've heard me say that, uh, you know, I'd like to have a full hearing on all the witnesses because of the nature of the matter. This was an attempted coup. But as I've said, it doesn't have to occur during the impeachment inquiry. And I've been persuaded the more I listen to people that it's probably best that it not be during the impeachment inquiry. But, and I'm not afraid. That's Lindsey Graham's position as well. Lindsey Graham said that on Sunday, uh, I think it was on Maria Bartiromo, and, and said the same thing. I do also, he said, want to hear from Hunter Biden and others, but that needs to be a separate congressional inquiry after we get rid of this ridiculous thing. Yeah, so um, I think that the Democrats have as much or more to lose by a protracted inquiry here because uh, the witnesses are going to hurt them. They're, uh, we have no doubt about this. We've gone through three years of this charade, and it's time to put on our big boy pants and understand that what we suspect is, in fact, the case. 
that virtually every allegation that the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, come up with are manufactured, fabricated, exaggerated, or just simply flat out lies. The same is true of the Bolton matter. By the way, uh, you know, Attorney General Barr came out and denied much of the stuff that is attributable to him and Bolton with respect to this. I think this is a complete hit job to try to convince the weak sisters, no pun intended, in the Republican Party to vote for witnesses. We've seen this movie so many times before, and it's really dispiriting to think that Republicans, even those who are inclined, are looking for a hook, would nonetheless go along with this particular charade. So I think there's a fair chance of it. I think it's incumbent upon other Republicans and the uh, legal team for the president Mm -hmm. to make the case very clearly that this doesn't justify having John Bolton or anyone else as a witness. Because at the first instance, unless you and I missed something, Bob, I watched significant portions of the uh, Trump team presentation. And within, I, I watched, as I was working out on Saturday, I happened to have the TV on, and was watching uh, Purpur, I think his name was, Assistant White House Counsel, really clearly laying out the case for why this is bogus beyond belief. And then, of course, you had Dershowitz laying out the constitutional reasons why this doesn't merit an impeachment um, um, uh, inquiry alone. So I think there's enough there for reasonable people reasonable people to say this is a fraud that's gone on too long we're putting an end to it now but um i'll just leave it at that with respect to romney murkowski collins i've got to deal with these people from time to time are you worried um, at all pete about bolton if he does testify and 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 let me give you let me give you a setup to that um the reason I'm not is because Alan Dershowitz really put my mind at ease yesterday by saying things that we probably all should have been able to figure out without a constitutional uh, law degree or, or uh, his uh, experience and status. But that is this. The president, excuse me, uh, the president, even if he did say what is purportedly leaked in this manuscript, even if he did say it, as Dershowitz pointed out, saying something is not the same thing as doing something. If he said, I want to hold the aid a little while longer until they start an investigation, he can say that a million times. He can say it in, on live television if he wants. He didn't do anything to make it happen. The aid was released. No investigation from uh, Ukraine was started. Uh, no conditions were met. No conditions were set. So even if he said to Bolton, this is what I would like to do, and that's all that is alleged in this secondhand source of a manuscript that has yet to be redacted and edited and fixed and corrected and what not even if he said it he didn't do it so even if bolton comes up there and says yeah that's what the president said to me it shouldn't change one single mind precisely right the best evidence as we've been saying for a long time is the transcript game over at that point that says everything for five months now again we've been playing the laser pointer game we've been scurrying around based on allegations that have absolutely no merit whatsoever with respect to constitutionality. They don't, they don't impinge upon the presidential authority whatsoever. He has complete authority to do, do so. Every president has exercised some authority. Well, I don't know about everyone, but almost every modern president at some point has withheld aid to a country based on a variety of reasons. In this particular case, they got the aid. In this particular case, they got aid that Obama never gave to them as the team for the president said, this is amazing that Democrats are now in high dudgeon about the 
incredible importance of providing aid to the Ukrainians when they were completely silent and Obama refused to give any aid other than meals ready to eat and blankets when the, when the Ukrainians were desperate for it. This is a, this is, we are being played on steroids. I, I decided a while back that I was going to stop watching much of this because it was a complete and utter waste of our time, Bob. And again, go back to the transcript. That's all you need to have. And you're exactly right. No aid was withheld. They got the aid. They got a meeting also that Ukrainians were never even aware that there was a consideration about pausing the aid. And many other countries, the aid to many other countries, were subjected to the same scrutiny and the same pause. But in this particular case, you had a whistleblower in league with Schiff and Biden who went running out there to try to manufacture some offense upon which maybe not you could impeach the president, but to damage the president or hamstring him for several months. That's a very important point, uh, Peter Kersenow, as is this one. And I don't know if you know this, and I don't know, you probably do. I don't know if everybody in the audience knows this. This is the best part. Not only did the Obama administration withhold aid, and in fact, not just withhold it for a pause, never sent aid, and never sent anything more, as you said, than blankets and MREs, right? So so the Obama administration provided no military aid that was being requested by Ukraine that we are being told by the House managers here was so extraordinarily important to to battle back against Russia, which, of course, had made their incursion and annex Crimea and so on and so forth. So the Obama administration did nothing militarily to aid Ukraine. And better yet, this is even more important. Four of the seven House impeachment managers against Donald Trump voted against sending any lethal aid to Ukraine. Nadler, Sylvia Garcia, Hakeem Jeffries, and Zoe Lofgren each voted against any lethal aid to Ukraine. And they are a part of the impeachment managers trying to remove Donald Trump for delaying lethal aid to Ukraine. You think about that for just a moment, Peter Kirshenow. Respond to it on the other side of this break right after this. Peter's back with us on AM 1420 The Answer. Right back with Kirsten Al for seven more minutes on AM 1420. The answer, Peter's got a jet at the bottom of the hour. Pete, just, you know, the, the, I mean, that's chutzpah, right? I mean, the, the four, four of the seven House managers trying to remove the president for not sending aid to Ukraine on time voted against sending aid to Ukraine at all. That, that to me, is just the definition of, of hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I agree, and I would add to that all the media who know better. These folks who are trying to perpetuate this impeachment fraud, they know better, but they are trying to lengthen this process. They know it's, he's not going to be removed. That's not going to happen. Maybe they get witnesses, maybe, but they know he's not going to be removed, so they want to lengthen the process so that they can damage him, and that was the whole right. uh, objective of all this. But I think they may have outsmarted themselves because we see that several of the Democratic candidates for the nomination are stuck in this trial now and can't go out and campaign. In addition to that, you know, it, it remains to be seen who benefits among the Democratic cohort of candidates because Biden doesn't have to be there. He can be in Iowa and campaign, and a lot of people have speculated that that was the strategy all along by Democrats, the Democratic Party, who are petrified that Sanders has a chance of winning, and they think that that would be horrific for the Democratic Party. Um, 
And so they wanted him sidelined and, and maybe Warren sidelined. Who knows what, what the real motivation here is. But I think the longer this goes on, first of all, we already know that the American people are bored to death of this because nobody's tuning in. This is not changing anyone's mind. I think everyone has already come to a conclusion about Trump and they're not going to be persuaded. Uh, maybe a, a few on the margins with respect to the Trump um, agenda, the Trump accomplishments versus what the Democrats have done. But this impeachment inquiry is not going to change anybody's mind. But going down the line, the longer this keeps going on and the Democrats don't do anything and continue to embarrass themselves, I think it has long-term implications, first of all, for our government and our, our, um, our, our process here, our, the American experiment, but also for Democrats writ large, not just the candidates for the presidency, but the people in the House and in the Senate, because we've seen that most Americans have tuned out already. But also, they're going to blame Democrats for the fact that they haven't done anything. These people ran, remember, two years ago on an agenda. And the agenda wasn't solely impeachment, lo and behold. It was to actually do something to improve a lot of Americans. They've done nothing. They can point to absolutely nothing in two years. And the Republican opponents, they're going to be pointing that out. They're going to say, hey, look, this guy ran for, to represent you guys, and he has spent the last two years doing nothing but pursuing a fraudulent impeachment effort against the President of the United States, a president who's returned the best economic conditions of our lifetimes, has kept us out of wars, and you can go on and on and on with respect to all the achievements. So I think this is going to have, uh, this has the implications uh, of a giant backlash in, in November. Now, it's a long time between now and November, but the Democrats aren't doing them, themselves any favors at this point. Peter, I want to spend the last four minutes asking you this and, and listening to you. The uh, state of Virginia, there is now, now legislation uh, that is being put forth. This is away from the impeachment story. Governor Blackface isn't allowed to be criticized. Neither is the lieutenant governor, neither is the attorney general, neither is the uh, um, chief justice of the Virginia Supreme Court, nor any um, appellate justices, I believe. According to a new bill, if you use uh, um, computers or online to harass, intimidate, or coerce, um, or essentially insult any of those government leaders, you can and will be fined. If you don't pay your fines, you go to jail. They are literally talking about stripping the First Amendment protections of the United States Constitution um, in uh, Virginia law. Somebody asked me yesterday to ask you, um, does the federal government have any kind of sway here um, if Virginia is threatening to punish its citizens for speaking out against the government. Now, again, not talking about threats. Threats are obviously illegal. But they're using words like harass, offend, and uh, uh, intimidate. Who gets to determine what is harassing and what is somebody expressing their frustration and anger or whatever at a leader of the government? We're not, put it this way, if somebody calls him Governor Blackface online in Virginia, is that finable? Um, is there anything that the federal government would have to do here or can do? Yeah, uh, Bob, you put your, your finger right on the principal issue. And I have not had a, 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 an opportunity to review the statute or anything else like that. I, I, I know that you uh, texted me this morning about it, mm-hmm. and I took a quick look at the offending statute. And very quickly, again, this is just my five-cent, five-minute uh, kind of dissertation on this. Lo and behold, I'm not Alan Dershowitz, but this is the, the law that governs this is 
fairly straightforward. Your question with respect to the federal government doing anything about this, well, yeah, the the judicial branch can do something about this because as I read the statute, most of it is okay. I don't know about the amendment to it, though. The amendment dealing with using a computer um, sounds to me as if it is vague and overbroad, and there's a number of uh, cases in um, federal courts. There's Lanzada versus New Jersey. There's, there's some others. Again, I'd have to go back and recall some of the cases that deals with statutes that are vague and overbroad. First of all, you've got on the one side the tremendous interest in preserving the First Amendment rights of citizens. That's an abiding, overriding interest versus an interest in public safety. Also a big interest, but you can't have a statute that seeks to protect that interest. Now, you could prescribe threats, for example, threats of harm. That's pretty clear. But every statute needs to be clear so that individuals who seek to obey the statute know precisely what's expected of them. If it's vague and overbroad, it's unconstitutional for that basis vis-a-vis the First Amendment. And when you start talking about things such as, um, I I think, harassment by computers, what's set forth in the statute or the the bill, um, anything that's obscene, vulgar, profane, uh, that's directed at a governor or an attorney general of the state or state legislatures, those things can be felonies. That's a big deal. Well, what's obscene? If, for example, the, as I recall, the lieutenant governor was accused of rape on two different occasions. That's right. If you send an email to him talking about that, is that arguably within the, the scope of the statute? Probably not, but I don't know. That's the point. Don't know. Vague up against the profound right secured under the First Amendment of free speech. And the right of free speech principally was designed to make sure that we could address our government. That was right. a big deal. To petition the government, for example. We fought and a so war it, for it. We, we it, and Literally, it, that's exactly what revol- right. one of the big things the Revolutionary War was fought over. It was so that we wouldn't be thrown into jail for criticizing the king. Right. So the, the thing is, you cannot threaten, for example, you can't threaten the president of the United States. That, that's a felony. You can't say, I'm going to kill you. You know, the Secret Service is going to come out and they're going to investigate you and properly so. Sure. But when you can't say vulgar things, first of all, no one knows what vulgar means anymore. What does that right. mean? When, when does you North suck says, qualify as vulgarity? Does that right. qualify as profanity? Does it qualify or, as lewd, lascivious behavior? Exactly. Or if you start to engage Northam in his claim that we will allow babies to die outside the womb, is that vulgar and obscene? I consider it to be obscene to let babies die outside Agreed. the womb or in the, within the womb. I, I consider obscene. <laughs> For example, so th- the point is, it's vague. Nobody knows what it means, and it seems to be an attempt to silence individuals in their criticism, legitimate criticism of right. the government, especially after their attempt to circumscribe the Second Amendment rights of Virginians. Peter Kirsten now laying it out for us from his uh, legal perspective. Peter, thank you, my friend. Obviously, we are, uh, you know, we may reach the uh, end of this trial by the end of this week. We were not scheduled to talk to you again until next Tuesday, but uh, just be, be be at the ready because we may call on you again by the end of the week if this thing gets there. We'll okay? do, Bob. As it turns out, I don't have to travel this week, don't have any trials or anything like that, so I may have some availability. Outstanding. Thank you, Peter Kersenow. Okay, take care. That's Peter Kersenow on AM 1420 The Answer. We're late to news. Let's catch up and come right back on AM 1420 The Answer.
37 as we continue. 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you on this Tuesday edition of The Authority. Appreciate you being with us. Want to go to uh, some phone calls. 216-901-0945. Get in now. We are guest-free the rest of the way. Great stuff from uh, my two guests, Tom Zawistowski and from Peter Kirstenau. Now it's your turn. 216-901-0945. 281-1110. Either one of those would be just fine. Let's go to Jay, who's in Cleveland. Jay? Or, oh, I'm sorry, it's Joy. That's an O, not an A. My eyes are bad. That's Joy in Cleveland. Hi, Joy. Go right ahead. Um, Hi, Bob. It's Julie, but that's okay. Oh, it's Julie. <laughs> I got Joy on my <laughs> I, I've, I've been called worse. Well, first <laughs> I wanted to say that, um, you know, honestly, I don't care if people are gay. I don't care if they're transgender. But the thing is, is like... You talk about discrimination. Now, I'm almost 60 years old, and I'm 51 years an insulin-dependent diabetic. And through my years of working, I have been told things like, well, you were in the hospital for a week this year, so we don't really feel that your medical needs, that we can uh, you know, provide you an opportunity to move up in the company. Then I have a son who's um, special ed, and who, thank God, we pulled him out of public schools and put him in a private school, you know, they, you know, they said he'll never write a paragraph. Well, he, you know, a cohesive paragraph, tie a shoe. So the kid, you know, had all his college English classes done before he graduated and gradu- and, and was on the dean's list in college. But he went that to apply amazing. for a government. He went to apply for a government job. So he takes like ten milligrams of Prozac a day. They put that kid through the hoops and all this stuff about you have to do this, you have to do that, and then they wouldn't hire him. So and and then and then I'm looking at the state and I'm thinking, well, my representatives are Mike Skindell and Nikki Antonio, both gay. Then we have Marcy Captor. She's gay, and I don't care if they're gay. I don't judge them on that. But the thing is, is that what happened back in the '80s when they said we just want to be treated equally? Well, now they don't. And you know, my feeling is, I don't parade my sex life out in my driveway so my neighbors can see it. So why do I need to see a, a, a parade with these people doing stuff like that? But the only other thing I wanted to say is um, I got a card in the mail yesterday from a Rob Weber, and I understand you're going to have him on your show. And yes. I want to encourage people that we've got to get a group going on the west of Cleveland to support this man. Because right now I have a call into Marcy Captor's office. I, I called two weeks ago and said, as a taxpayer with you spending my money, I have a right to see the invoices from those silver trays and those engraved pens that they used for the impeachment. And the girl says, oh, that's going to take us some time. And I said, that's okay. I'll just keep calling once a week. So if I ever find out, I'll let you know. But usually if you call Marcy Captor's office and you are not on her side, I have been yelled at, I've been sworn at, and I've plenty of time I have been hung up on. And I just feel if we're going to get this useless woman out of office, this is going to be the year to do it. And my only suggestion to Mr. Weber is we've got to get Trump and Cleveland to back him. And I think that might help him. And that's basically all I had to say. And you have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you, uh, Julie. I appreciate the phone call. You make a lot of really important points. Let me follow up on at least a couple of them. I agree. I'm looking forward to talking to Rob Weber. I know a lot of people are very excited about him. I don't know a ton about him. That's why I'm looking forward to introducing him to you and learning more about him at the very same time. Marcy Captor has been almost just, you know, she's a brick wall. She she just is. 
Um, a lot of uh, people have tried to break through it and tried to get her out of Washington, and she withstands all challenges. Um, you know, the, it used to be the, the way the district districts, of course, have been ch- redrawn and changed. You would think there would be more of an opportunity to get rid of her, but we all know what happened when they were redrawn, and it was either her or Kucinich, and Kucinich ended up getting drawn out. And uh, Marcy continues her reign of terror, and I shouldn't phrase it that way, but, I mean, she, truly, she's a liberal Democrat. As to her... Uh, sexuality or sexual orientation or anybody else's. I agree. Uh, I don't care. I really don't. I don't have anything against anybody who, who, you know, chooses to live their life a certain way or feels they were born that way or whatever the case might be. I don't. This is not about discriminating against them. Whether you're gay, whether you're transgender, which is gender dysphoric, or whatever the case might be. I don't care. Uh, in fact, I care. If I do care at all, it's not to try to discriminate or limit your opportunities to do anything you want to do. I, I care so much that I would like to see you get assistance. People with split personality disorders seek therapy because they're not, in fact, two people. They're biologically one person, but their mind is messed, messed, messing with them. People who think that they're animals are not, in fact, animals. They're human beings, but their mind is messing with them. People who are male but think they're female are not, in fact, female, but their mind is messing with them. People whose minds are are in such states generally need therapy, psychological therapy, to help, help their mind reconcile with what their chromosomes say and their body says, okay? I care enough to want them to get assistance. It is not about trying to harass them or to try to discriminate them or limit them from having anything that they want or being what they want or dressing like they want. Where I have a problem and draw the line, and this is what we were talking about with Tom Z, is when other people end up being discriminated against because they are demanding certain things, such as, again, an invasion of the opposite sex into the private um, dressing and and uh, you know personal areas of women, whether they be locker rooms, shower rooms, restrooms, uh, or any other number of things. When women are discriminated against because they lose their place, their rankings, their records, their opportunities for personal achievement, and if not, possibly scholarship and financial opportunities because their sports have been infiltrated by biological males. This is not about trying to discriminate against anybody who has a psychological condition called gender dysphoria. It is simply a matter of trying to look out for the rights of people, women primarily, who are victimized by this attempt to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, allow uh, the, the people who are afflicted with this condition uh, to be and do whatever they want, whenever they want, no matter who it affects in the wrong way. We talked to Tom Zawistowski, uh, president of the We the People Convention, uh, as well as the Portage County Tea Party, about this earlier this morning. Let's hear uh, what Tom Z had to say. People, that is not what the American Constitution. You, I want to hear the, that from the beginning. Let's try that again, please. They're trying to protect classes of people. That is not what the American Constitution, the U.S. and Ohio Constitution, is about individual rights, not class rights. That's communism, right? That's that's the group identity politics that the regressive communist left in the Democrat Socialist Party are pushing on all of us and trying to tell us that you're identified 
as uh, by your class, not by who you are as a person. That is exactly right. He is ex- when we talk about the rights, every person is created with the same equal rights. That's what we all have, and that's what we. This is not about elevating one class. In this case, you know, gender dysphoric people above another class. In this case, women. You can't do that. That is indeed communism. That is not what the Constitution was built on. One more from Tom. These people, these trans people, are mentally ill. That's not my opinion. Johns Hopkins University has spent 50-plus years studying transgenderism. It is a mental illness. And the left is grossly using these people that need health care, need treatment, as a tool to attack our country, to destroy our social order and destroy our religious institutions and businesses and undermine our values. And the Republicans are helping them. There's nine Republicans in this committee and only six Democrats. If you're looking for the names of those uh, um, committee members in the Ohio General Assembly, and remember, there's both senators and House representatives uh, that you're going to want to talk to because there's concurrent bills uh, doing the same thing. Uh, go to Tom's website, wethepeopleconvention.org, so that you can express your opinion on these uh, uh, legislative matters that are intended to essentially uh, discriminate against women and take away their rights, all in favor of this protected class uh, of people with gender dysphoria. To um, TJ next. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I have to disagree with your guest a little bit when he says this legislation discriminates against 50% of the people in the state. Well, I think it discriminates a lot more than 50%. What about the rights of us men? I don't want to be sitting in a locker room when somebody like Rosie O'Donnell or Janet Reno comes in and disrobes in front of me. I have rights. In my world, these are things of nightmares. What about our rights? Um, TJ, I'm going to let that one hang out there, my friend. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. As I, I do understand your point. Thanks for the call. Uh, I don't, you know, the real concern, I think, for most people isn't some male in a male locker room after a workout or in a male uh, a locker room or, or, you know, or shower room after a workout. Uh, somebody who is female who thinks they're a male coming in and disrobing. That, that isn't the concern. The concern is, and I know you're kind of being tongue-in-cheek, TJ, so it's all good. Uh the concern is, and the concern isn't always even for the uh, transgendered guy who's going into the women's restroom that he will, or, or locker room or shower room, that he is going to do anything to physically harm women. But women being forced to disrobe in front of somebody else who is also disrobing, who is male biologically, makes them extraordinarily uncomfortable. And moreover, it opens them up to serious uh, dangerous situations. Again, not necessarily from the track, because that's what they try to do. If you're not careful in the way you word this, uh, you'll be accused, or I would be accused of saying, oh, you're saying transgendered people because they think they're the opposite sex are sexual perverts that they're going to attack? No, 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 no. What we are saying is that there are other people who are perverts who would attack or would take photos or would uh, do whatever it is that they want to do, who will use these transgender quote-unquote laws, these equity laws, to say, I feel like a woman, I'm going in there. And then going in there and doing whatever it is that they want to do that may indeed be dangerous and may indeed victimize women. Young women, uh, older women, doesn't matter. 
we're not talking about necessarily the trans people committing any acts that are that are illegal or that are dangerous. It is a comfort factor for women in their particular places of, of personal space. But we are talking about others, non-trans people, straight guys who are perverts, who get their uh, thrills by looking at young girls changing or whatever, using the laws to say, hey, you can't tell me how I feel. I feel female. I'm going in there. That's the danger here. So just want to clarify that. Uh, thanks for the call. i got time for two more calls, three maybe, depending on what time we get out of this break on AM 1420 The Answer. Somebody just uh, messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, how do I find the names of the um, committee members in the Ohio uh, General Assembly that I can uh, reach out to to express myself about this, uh, these particular bills? And uh, I told him what I told you. Tom is going to be posting all of the committee members' names. If he hasn't yet, it's in the works. Just check back a little later today at uh, wethepeopleconvention.org, wethepeopleconvention.org. All one word, very easy to find. Uh, let's go to uh, Medina, and that's where we find Matthew on AM 1420, The Answer. Matthew, good morning. Go right good ahead. morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, last week, I got uh, a call from somebody at, uh, asking me on this very subject we're talking about now to call Steve Hamley to support this thing. Uh, this is at LBGQ or XYZ or what the hell ever it is. But anyhow, I, I told him nothing doing so. Uh, Steve Hamley is not the world beater, but I don't think he'll go along with that. He's a Republican from Medina County. Well, I don't know, uh, Matthew, and the, it's kind of interesting. Um, according to, let's see here, according to a tweet that I got not too long ago, it says Steve Hamley is unfortunately my Ohio House Rep District 69 which includes much of Medina County. Yeah, Kathy, who is opposed to this legislation, says, unfortunately, he is my representative, leading me to think that maybe he actually supports this. Um, uh, I don't you know. You could very well be right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I'm really, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to slander anyone here. I don't want, I don't want to say that he supports this or doesn't. I'm reading a tweet and I'm making an inference from it. So I'll tell you what. We'll do our level best to find out who has supported this and who has not. They're going to vote on it. They were supposed to vote on it, I guess, either last night or tonight or whatever. They postponed the vote till February 4th, which is next Tuesday, a week from today. Then we'll know for sure where everybody stands. But we'll do our level best to find out ahead of time so that you can contact your representative and make sure that uh, they know how you feel. Sounds good. Thanks again, Bob. Keep up Thank the good you. work. Thank you, Matthew. Bye-bye. I appreciate the call. I'm going to make a note of that, or I'd like our crew here to make a note of that. Um, let's see if we can find out who the members of those committees of uh, uh, that committee is. This is again the Civil Justice Committee, which is a strange thing to, to exist in the first place, because um, there should be no such thing as civil justice. It's justice for all, justice uh, by all. It is not uh, specific to uh, civil justice, but at any rate. Um, yeah, we'll see if we can find that out and find out where the members have, you know, even though they haven't voted on this officially yet, who the sponsors are and what statements they have made. I can tell you this. Let me see if I can pull this up real fast before I take the next call. Um, I had a um, um, conversation with a couple of people about this, and they have reached out to their particular 
there are particular uh, state representatives who have either co-sponsored or been supportive of this. And I want to get at least one of their names now because I had it. Yeah, I just, I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this in time. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Representative Golonsky. Representative Golonsky. Some people, some people who are opposed to this legislation, which is not discriminatory against LGBTQ, it is discriminatory against women. Period. Uh, reached out uh, to Representative Golonsky to express concern about this, and the response received from the legislative aide for Golonsky reads this way. Um, thank you for reaching out to the office. Representative Golonsky works for all Ohioans, regardless of their identification as LGBTQ, XYZ plus or not. Ensuring that all Ohioans are protected from discrimination is incredibly important to her. Both SB 11, that's Senate Bill 11, and HB House Bill 369 are necessary to ensure that LGBTQ plus Ohioans can live, work, and thrive in Ohio without fear of discrimination. Furthermore, she is a co-sponsor of HB 369, and we'll be sure to keep your comments in mind if this bill comes to the House floor for a full vote. So there's the statement that you're going to get from probably all of them who support this. We are trying to make sure that LGBTQ people are not are not um, discriminated against. And of course the problem with that is in the negative that if they, something is done to make sure they are not quote unquote discriminated against, it is going to be discriminatory against women. They are the ones who are going to be paying the price. Tom Z tells me by the way that the link to the committee members is in the first paragraph of the story about this at wethepeopleconvention.org so you can find out all of the committee members' names, contact them directly yourself, and ask them where they stand on this and tell them what you want them to do. That's all the time that I've got. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.